Who is the beast found in the book of Revelation? Where does he come from? Does he come from the past? Is he the one that was defeated and came back to life again? Who or what gives it its power and authority? Is it in many places in the book of Revelation? Is it confined to the book of Revelation? And if so, what chapters is it in? Will the beast be killed or annihilated, defeated and ruined and gone from history? Who could accomplish such a feat as this? This is Albert Hardy for Bible Prophecy Radio. I thought it would be a good idea today to talk about the beast, who it is, where he's going, and what's he going to do to all nations of the earth. Let's start in chapter 11 of Revelation. This is where the two witnesses, the famous two witnesses, are going to be killed by this beast and also the seventh trumpet. Let's start in verse 1, chapter 11. Then I was given a measuring stick, and I was told, Go and measure the temple of God and the altar and count the number of worshipers. But do not measure the outer courtyard, for it has been turned over to the nations, that is, the Gentiles. They will trample the holy city for forty-two months, and I will give power to my two witnesses, and they will be clothed in burlap and will prophesy for those 1260 days, three and a half years. These two prophets are the two olive trees and the two lampstands that stand before the Lord of all the earth. If anyone tries to harm them, fire flashes from their mouths and consumes their enemies. This is how anyone who tries to harm them must die. They have power to shut up the sky so that no rain will fall for as long as they prophesy. And they will have power to turn the rivers and oceans into blood and to strike the earth with every kind of plague as often as they wish. When they complete their testimony, the beast that comes up out of the bottomless pit will declare war against them and he will conquer them and kill them. And their bodies will lie in the main street of Jerusalem, the city that is figuratively called Sodom and Egypt, the city where their Lord was crucified. And for three and a half days, all the people, tribes, languages, and nations will stare at their bodies. No one will be allowed to bury them. The people who belong to this world will gloat over them and give presents to each other to celebrate the death of the two prophets who tormented them. But after three and a half days, God breathed life into them, and they stood up. Terror struck all who were staring at them. This sounds a lot like satellite television to me, so that all the nations could see this going on. Then a loud voice from heaven called to the two prophets, Come up here! And they rose to heaven in a cloud as their enemies watched. At the same time, 
there was a terrible earthquake that destroyed a tenth of the city. 7,000 people died in that earthquake, and everyone else was terrified and gave glory to the God of heaven. The second terror is past, but look, the third terror is coming quickly. Verse 15, chapter 11, Revelation. Then the seventh angel blew his trumpet, and there were loud voices shouting from heaven. The world has now become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he will reign forever and ever. This, by the way, is a quote from Daniel chapter 2, verse 44. This is how Daniel put it. During the reigns of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed or conquered. It will crush all these kingdoms into nothingness, and it will stand forever. 45 says, That is the meaning of the rock cut from the mountain, though not by human hands, that crushed to pieces the statue of iron, bronze, clay, silver, and gold. The great God was showing the king, that is, King Nebuchadnezzar, what will happen in the future. The dream is true, and its meaning is certain. I believe that this verse 7 in chapter 11 of Revelation is the first place in Revelation where we find the word beast. It comes up out of the bottomless pit and declares war against his, that is, God's saints, his believers, people that believe and trust in him. We know the outcome, and we know that it's really great news. The world has now become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, that's Jesus, and he will reign forever and ever. So, in other words, he will take over every government on planet Earth. He has the power and authority to destroy his enemies, and that's exactly what he will do, according to prophecy. So, who is this beast? Is it a human? Is it a confederation of human beings? Is it a religion? Is it a confederation of religions? So just who is this beast? Can we figure it out? Let's go to chapter 13, where it's mentioned again. And in fact, this chapter is the place where most of the word beast shows up in the book of Revelation. I don't want you to be intimidated by the book, by the way, by the book of Revelation. Because in the beginning of the book... Jesus is talking. Here's what he says. But first, let me quote the first verse. This is a revelation from Jesus Christ, which God gave to him to show his servants the events that must soon take place. So in other words, it's meant to reveal. It's meant for people to understand it and not be afraid of it. He sent an angel to present this revelation to his servant John. And this is the same John, not John the Baptist. This is the John that became one of Jesus' own disciples, who faithfully reported everything he saw 
This is his report of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. God blesses the one who reads the words of this prophecy to the church, and he blesses all who listen to its message and obey what it says, for the time is near. I know men who will not even touch the book of Revelation, let alone jot notes down in it or reminders of what they need to understand, which I think is probably the best idea. But in chapter 13, here's how it, I'm going to read this whole chapter. It's very short. It's only got 18 verses. It's not that intimidating. But this is where the beast is mentioned more often than anywhere else in all of Scripture. Verse 1, Then I saw a beast rising up out of the sea. Well, wait a minute. The one in chapter 11 was rising out of the bottomless pit. It's interesting. What comes out of the bottomless pit? We find out in chapter 9, verse 1 says, Then the fifth angel blew his trumpet, and I saw a star that had fallen to the earth from the sky. And he was given the key to the shaft of the bottomless pit. When he opened it, smoke poured out as though from a huge furnace, and the sunlight and the air turned dark from the smoke. So who is or what is this star that fell from the sky to the earth that he was given the key to the shaft of the bottomless pit? Well, let's flip over to Luke chapter 10 and verse 18 for a second. Well, let's start in verse 16. And he said to the disciples, anyone who accepts your message is also accepting me. And anyone who rejects you is rejecting me. And anyone who rejects me is rejecting God, who sent me. When the 72 disciples returned, they joyfully reported to him, Lord, even the demons obey us when we use your name. Yes, he told them, verse 18, I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. So this Lucifer fell to the earth from the sky because God ejected him from his place in heaven. He, that is Satan, is that fallen angel. Verse 19 of Luke 10 says this, Look, I have given you authority over all the, the power of the enemy, and you can walk among snakes and scorpions and crush them. Nothing will injure you, but don't rejoice because evil spirits obey you. Rejoice because your names are registered in heaven. Now let's go back to Revelation 13 again and pick it up. There are 18 places where the beast is mentioned in chapter 13, 18 of them. So we're going to read the whole chapter, and we're going to see what we can figure out, who this beast is. Verse 1, Then I saw a beast rising up out of the sea. He's not coming out of the pit this time. He's coming up out of the sea. It has seven heads and ten horns, with ten crowns on its horns. So each, each horn had a crown. And on each head 
were written the names that blasphemed God. This beast looked like a leopard, but it had the feet of a bear and the mouth of a lion. The roar of a lion is much louder than the roar of a bear or a leopard. And the dragon, that would be Satan, gave the beast his power, his own power, and throne, and great authority. I saw that one of the heads, one of the seven heads, seemed wounded beyond recovery, but the fatal wound was healed. The whole world marveled at this miracle and gave allegiance to the beast. How could he come back from the dead? They worshipped the dragon for giving the beast such power. And they also worshipped the beast. Who is as great as the beast, they exclaimed. Who is able to fight against him? That would be Jesus. Then the beast was allowed to speak great blasphemies against God. And he was given authority to do whatever he wanted for 42 months, three and a half years. And he spoke terrible words of blasphemy against God, slandering his name and his dwelling, that is, those who dwell in heaven. And the beast was allowed to make or wage war against God's holy people and to conquer them. In this case, the holy people are probably Jews living in Jerusalem. And he was given authority to rule over every tribe and people and language and nation. That sounds pretty worldwide to me. Sounds like the famed Antichrist. Well, who is more Antichrist than this beast? Answer, no one on earth. And all the people who belong to this world worshipped the beast. They are the ones whose names were not written in the book of life before the world was made. The book that belongs to the Lamb, that's Jesus, who was slaughtered. Verse 9. Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. Anyone who's destined for prison will be taken to prison. Anyone destined to die by the sword will die by the sword. This means that God's holy people must endure persecution patiently and remain faithful. We don't want to remain faithful. We don't want to be patient. We want Jesus to come by sunset. But God's timing is always perfect and always best for us. So we must wait and suffer persecution patiently and still remain faithful. Verse 11, chapter 13, Revelation. Then I saw another beast coming up out of the earth. He had two horns like those of a lamb, but he spoke with a voice of a dragon. He exercised all the authority of the first beast, and he required all the earth and its people to worship the first beast, whose wound, whose fatal wound, had been healed. He did astounding miracles, even making fire flash down to the earth from the sky while everyone was watching. And with all the miracles, 
he was allowed to perform on behalf of the first beast, he tricked or deceived all the people of the earth who belonged to this world. He ordered the people to make a great statue of the first beast who was fatally wounded and then came back to life. He was then permitted to give life to this statue so that it could speak. Then the statue of the beast commanded that anyone refusing to worship it must die. He required everyone, small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to be given a mark on the right hand or on the forehead. And no one could buy or sell anything without that mark, which was either the name of the beast or the number representing his name. Well, in verse 18, he says, Wisdom is needed here. Let the one with understanding solve the meaning of the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man. His number is 666. Let's try Revelation chapter 17 and verse 10. Well, let's actually start in 7. Why are you so amazed, the angel asked. I will tell you the mystery of this woman and the beast on which she rides, in other words, with the seven heads and the ten horns. So who are these seven heads? Or what are they? Verse 8. The beast you saw was once alive, but now isn't. And yet he will soon come up out of the bottomless pit and go to eternal destruction. And the people who belong to this world, whose names are not written in the book of life before the world was made, will be amazed at the reappearance of this beast who had died. So it's not confined to chapter 13. This is chapter 17. And the people who belong to this world, here's, here's what it says, whose names were not written in the book of life before the world was made, will be amazed at his reappearance, the reappearance of this beast who had died. This calls for a mind with understanding. And I want you to understand, too. I want to understand it fully, and I don't think anybody does. But let's keep going for a little while. Maybe we can figure some things out. The seven heads of the beast represent the seven hills where the, the woman rules. They also represent seven kings. Aha! That's what these seven heads are all about. These are heads of nations. Five kings are already fallen, in other words, dead, and the sixth now reigns, and the seventh is yet to come, but his reign will be brief. The scarlet beast that was, but is no longer, is the eighth king, like the other seven, and he, too, is headed for destruction. The ten horns of the beast are ten kings who have not yet risen to power. They will be anoint, appointed 
to their kingdoms for one brief moment to reign with the beast. They will all agree to give him their power and authority. Together they will go to war against the Lamb, but the Lamb will defeat them because he's the Lord of lords, the Lord of all lords, and the King of all kings. And his called and chosen and faithful ones will be with him. That, hopefully, is you and me. Then the angel said to me, the waters where the prostitute is ruling represent the masses of people of every nation and language. The scarlet beast and his ten horns all hate the prostitute. I've got some ideas on who that prostitute is. It's a nation, by the way. They will strip her naked, eat her flesh, and burn her remains with fire. For God has put a plan into their minds, a plan that will carry out his purposes. They will agree to give their authority to the scarlet beast. And so the words of God will be fulfilled. And this woman you saw in your vision represents the great city that rules over the kings of the world. And I'd say that is wicked Babylon, but I'd be guessing because I don't really know. But the whole next chapter, chapter 18, talks about the fall of Babylon. I think that's an interesting place to put it. You will also find out about this fall of Babylon in chapter 51, verses 36 through 64 of Jeremiah. Very detailed description of it. But he says in verse 1 of chapter 18, After all this, I saw another angel come down from heaven with great authority, and the earth grew bright with his splendor. And he gave a mighty shout, Babylon is fallen! That great city is fallen! She has become a home for demons. She is a hideout for every foul spirit, a hideout for every foul vulture and every foul and dreadful animal. For all the nations have fallen because of the wine of her passionate immorality. The kings of the world have committed adultery with her because of her desires for extravagant luxury and merchants the merchants of the world have grown rich. Then I heard another voice calling from heaven, Come away from her, my people. Do not partake in her sins, or you will be punished with her. For her sins are piled as high as heaven, and God remembers her evil deeds. Do to her as she has done to others. Double her penalty for all her evil deeds. She brewed a cup of terror for others, brewed twice as much for her. Dropping down to verse 8, Therefore these plagues will overtake her in a single day, death and mourning and famine. She will be completely consumed by fire, for the Lord God who judges her is mighty. And the kings of the world who committed adultery with her and enjoyed her great luxuries, will mourn for her as they see the smoke from her charred remains. They will stand at a distance terrified by the great torment 
They will cry out, How terrible, how terrible for you, O Babylon, you great city. In a single moment, God's judgment came on you. The merchants of the world will weep and mourn for her, for there is no one left to buy her goods or their goods. She bought great quantities of gold, silver, jewels, and pearls, fine linen and silk and scarlet cloth, things made of fragrant thion wood or citron wood, ivory goods and objects made of expensive wood, bronze and iron, and marble. She also bought cinnamon, spice, incense, myrrh, frankincense, wine, olive oil, fine flour, wheat, cattle, sheep, horses, chariots, and human bodies, that is, human slaves, concubines, in other words, sex toys. The fancy things you love so much are gone. They cry, all your luxuries and splendor are gone forever, never to be yours again. The merchants who became wealthy by selling her these things will stand at a distance, terrified by her great torment. They will weep and cry out, How terrible, how terrible for that great city! She was clothed in the finest purple and scarlet linens, decked out with gold and precious stones and pearls. In a single moment, all the wealth of the city is gone. All her captains, the captains of merchant ships and their passengers and sailors and crews stand at a distance. They will cry out as they watch the smoke ascend and they will say, where is there another city as great as this? They will weep and throw dust on their heads to show their grief and they will cry out, how terrible, how terrible for that great city. Well, let me just stop right there to wrap this up for now. Why is it the Shiites and the Sunnis hate each other? Well, the Sunnis are liberal Islamites, and the Shiites are conservative, very, very strict by the book. They both are the ones who kill more Christians and Jews and Hindus than anybody else on earth by lopping off heads. That's what they do. Well, the luxury end of the whole thing is the Sunnis. They're very liberal. They love all of those things that were described in this book. And the people who belong to this world, whose names were not written in the book of life before the world was made, will be amazed at the reappearance of this beast who had died. And this is exactly the wording we find right here in chapter 13, verse 3. I saw that one of the heads of the beast seemed wounded beyond recovery, but the fatal wound was healed, and the whole world marveled. They were tricked, duped into believing that this was real, and it wasn't real. It was a trick. So that's what this beast is doing. And who's going to be doing more tricking than Satan the devil? That would be his children, the devil's children. The Catholic Church tried to destroy Islam back during the Middle Ages. 
they tried to conquer them in what was called the Crusades. And they almost did. They thought they had done it. But Islam came back from the dead. And that is what I believe this beast is. It's Islam. But that's my opinion. And you can figure it out for yourself. It adds up. All these clues along the way here in chapter 13 lead to that, if you ask me. For example, the beast was allowed to speak great blasphemies against God. Well, who does that more than the Muslims? They blaspheme the name of Jehovah and glorify the name of Allah. That's blasphemy. And who makes war? In verse 7, he says, The beast was allowed to wage war against God's holy people and conquer them. Who does more of that than the Islamic peoples? No one. And all the people who belong to this world, in other words, Satan's realm, why wouldn't they be all over the earth? Well, that's what it says right here in verse 8. All the people who belong to this world worshipped the beast, worshipped Islam, worshipped Allah. So that's another clue. Each one of these places is another clue. And you can read chapter 13 for yourself. Please don't be afraid to read these things and let it be revealed to you. But the last verse I want to read here is verse 11. The smoke of their torment will rise forever and ever, and will have no relief day or night, for they have worshipped the beast and his statue and have accepted the mark of his name. And again, he reiterates, this means God's people must endure persecution patiently, obeying his commands, that is, God's commands, and maintaining their faith in Jesus. You can go to my website, itellwhy.com, and read more and watch the videos there. I'm only trying to build faith. I don't have anything for sale. I'm not trying to make money. I'm trying to give you a greater, stronger faith in the one and only true God. And that is the Lord Jesus Christ, God the Father, and the Holy Spirit, the one and only powerful God of the universe. Well, this is Albert Hardy for Bible Prophecy Radio. Thank you for tuning in.